Yeah. Welcome to All Things Fresh, the podcast. I'm your host, Alvin Locks. Let's get it started. Welcome to episode six. It's crazy that we've made it this far. I'm so thankful to everyone that's supported the podcast up until this point. To all of my previous guests, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And to everyone that's joining the podcast for the first time, welcome. Thank you. And if you enjoy this episode with Aljamin Santos, I hope you decide to subscribe to the podcast so you can check out all of our future episodes. If you're listening on Spotify, please hit the follow button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button. Today's episode is full of gems. Aljamin is someone that I really look up to when it comes to faith, spirituality, the family that he's starting to build, the future that he's paving for himself. And this was a really good conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's not delay any further and let's jump right in. For those that don't know, my guest today, his name is Aljamin Santos. Our story starts way, way back when I was just a little, little kid, and he was kind of like that big bro, cool older kid that you'd look up to who'd always be hanging out with the cooler ones. <laughs> they, all, they all had cars and nice clothes, and they were always doing things, and I always just felt like I was stuck riding in, my, in the car with my parents. That's, that's how I felt back in the day. And actually, our story starts in Fremont, California. And without explaining too much, I actually just wanted you to step in and give us an intro of who you are and, and what are some things that you do and enjoy. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, first off, uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, just being able to share uh, my story on any kind of platform, uh, I'm, I'm truly grateful for because um, some, some of these things that I, I try to do, um, I, I've tried to keep um, kind of to myself until things start to kind of play out. So, um, yeah, my name is Algerman Santos, born and raised in the Bay Area, grew up. Um, my cousin gave me my nickname, Amin, because she couldn't pronounce my name. So that kind of stuck with me as a kid and, and growing up. And um, like you mentioned, our story kind of started in Fremont. Um, but before Fremont, I was in other cities, um, Pittsburgh, uh, way far East Bay. And then um, I grew up in uh, Vallejo, California, and then eventually moved down to Hayward and uh, connected with Alvin and his older sister, Joy. And um, it's funny because I met Alvin uh, through Joy. And I was like, oh, you got a little brother? Oh, that's cool. You know, and then we started talking and chilling and finding out some stuff that you, you've been up to. Um, but, you know, since then, there's been a lot of things that's gone on in life. Uh, from getting in trouble in high school, trying to find my place and trying to find my place in uh, society and things like that, identifying myself as a person um, and trying to just uh, integrate myself, kind of, you know, finding my place. Um, since then, uh, I've been, you know, trying to figure out what I really wanted to do. Originally, I've been a graphic artist by by trade uh, since I was in high school. You know, I took my, my um, art classes through high school, through Hayward High, and, um, you know, um, just basically uh, was drawing and trying to find my, find my niche and things like that. And then I uh, moved out to Las Vegas in 2003, I believe. Wow. And um, it's been that long, huh? Yeah, it's been super long, bro. When I think about it, it's, it's, you know, it's a long time I've ever been in one place. And, um, you know, I felt like a graphic artist wasn't really the thing to do. And uh, so I went into the medical field and I've been doing that ever since. But, you know, talking to people have, has given me a little bit of insight on what's missing in our, in our culture, in our society and things like that. And now I aim to uh, really uh, focus on the youth through sports and, and uh, you know, volunteering time to, to give them like, a, I guess that, that big brother um, uh, companionship, you know, as a kid. And, I didn't, I'm the oldest of, of my brothers, so I never really felt mm. like I had an older brother because, 
well, I am the oldest and, uh, you know, right. my cousins and stuff like that were a lot older than I was. And I wanted to give that to, to the future, um, future generation. So now that's my focus. Uh, run the league here in Vegas, playing basketball, volleyball, and at the same time trying to spread the word of small businesses and, um, you know, making some real big changes in the community. So, yep, that's, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. I love it. You basically touched up on everything that I wanted to, to discuss today. So dope. Hey, man. definitely a good, a good summary of where you're at. And actually where I wanted to start, which isn't something that I've dove too deep into just yet with any of my guests is I really want to start with church and faith specifically with you, because one of the memories that I have, and I'm going to try to word this correctly so I don't say it wrong for you. But I remember when I, when I looked at you, as a kid back in the day, I remember thinking, oh, this guy's a bad boy. <laughs> and I, and I, I didn't think like bad boy, like he's the worst. I meant bad boy, like, oh, you know, yeah, he, he's kind of thug. He's kind of hood. He has some edge. <laughs> used to like sag your pants at church and stuff. And I used to think like, well, at least he's going to church, you know? Yeah. And, and then what's funny though, is obviously you and I didn't spend too much time and our paths crossed again in Antioch. And that's yeah. where I, I remember uh, getting to know you more uh, on a different level though, because I, I, I want to start with the church. Cause I remember by the time we crossed paths in Antioch, you were a whole different person, bro. You were, you were very much more Christ centered. You, you, the way you spoke was different. You, you, you changed the way you, you, you know, the words you used, your, your slang kind of rounded out a little bit. And, and it's, it's almost like, I don't want to say grow up, but I, what I'm curious is, you know, what, what happened there in that transition from Fremont to Antioch? And like you said, you were getting in trouble in high school. You're trying to find your place in society. I feel like some type of growth or some type of change happened there that I'm just not aware of. And I'm curious if you can tell us about it. No doubt. Um, yeah. So um, to touch up on that, um, growing up, uh, my mom split from my dad when I was 11 years old. So um, at 11 years old, you know, that's kind of like a, an age of, you know, of learning. And um, without my dad there, you know, I was taking care of my younger brothers. You know, a lot of responsibility fell on my shoulders. And um, I guess like, you know, I never really had a childhood, I, I guess, you know, you could really say. And um, I had to grow up real fast because I had a lot of responsibilities for my brother and for my mom. And she, she trusted me with these responsibilities. So you know, I had to put the toys and the, and, the, and the playing aside and had to grow up. So, um, you know, imagine being a man child in high school and, you know, and like right. trying to conform to rules of high school and, and, you know, while at the same time trying to integrate into the real world as a working citizen, you know, and, and I just felt rebellious, like, oh, I don't need this right now because my family needs me to do these things. So, you know, I, I had to find my way and, and to, to help provide. Um, and at some point in my high school uh, years, um, I felt like I had to take my destiny into my own hands. So I dabbled in, in a lot of the things that, you know, we were taught to not never, ever go down that path. And um, it's funny because I, I went down this path and I felt like I bit the apple. You know, I bit the apple in the Garden, uh, garden of uh, Eden. And, um, right. you know, it, it set me onto this whole course of like craziness, man. It's like, um, you know, I, I was in the, I was in that dark space, you know, that dark, that, that dark area where you felt like by yourself. And, you know, it was at that point where, um, you know, I really quick, how, how long would you say that, that phase or that time period lasted? I was a sophomore in high school. So, mm -hmm. um, what is that like 14 or 15 or something like that? Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, 14 and 15 years old, you know, you never thought that you would grow up to be going through something like that. And, um, I got in so much trouble. I went to four different high schools. Uh, my mom pulled me out all of them. And, um, I just, you know, I just became a rebel because, uh, you know, life just wasn't as ideal as, you know, all my friends, you know, like, right. You know, my parents were split, you know, I had to get a job at a young age and here my friends are, right. you know, they're doing all these other things that are fun and sports and stuff like that. I couldn't, I didn't have that opportunity. And so, um, yeah. So when you met me in Fremont, I was, I guess you could say I was in between both worlds. 
you know, I was trying to find myself and trying to regain that light that I had when I was a kid. And uh, I, I never forgot it, though. So, you know, that, that's, that's what um, I think that really anchored me down was um, I never lost that light. It was still there and it was in the back of my head, but I knew what I had to do and I had to, I had to do whatever I had to do to get it, you know. So, right. you know, you name it, man, it was there. We can go into the details of like, you know, seeing gang members as big brothers, um, looking at um, illegal substances for for uh, for income, you know, to help pay for my college education later on. Because right, I never, right. I didn't have a savings. My parents weren't together. I couldn't turn to them for anything like that. So, right. you know, when you saw me again in Antioch, um, my friends from Antioch are the um, ones that actually reached out to me and they say, "Hey, man, you all right?" You doing okay? Wow. You know, they, they know visited that. me uh, when I was living back in Vallejo. And, Ed and Chris. Yeah, Ed and Chris. Uh, man, those are my boys for life, man, because they, 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 they went out to Vallejo. They visited me while I was in that real dark space. And um, that was probably like the, the lowest of the low, man. When you get to the point where, where you, you feel like you're in a cold, dark place, man, it is, it is not a great feeling. And, uh, and you can get stuck there for a while. Yeah, yeah, you can get stuck. And, and I feel like that's why they, they tell us, you know, don't even, don't even mess with it, man. Because there's not a lot that come back out of it. You know, they, they lose themselves. And so when you saw me back at Antioch, um, I, I really uh, connected with Erwin and uh, Josh, you know, and, and I channeled my experiences through music, you know, and yes. like what I learned, the, all the lessons that I learned from it. So, you know, I'm truly grateful, man. There's no way that I would have made it out alive, you know, if it wasn't for God. And, and dude, I, there's, so much, there's so much more to life than, you know, some of these things that we see with our eyes. No doubt. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I love, really quick, I, I did want to acknowledge what you said. It, I feel like, I personally don't know, but when I hear stories similar to yours, I feel like when things like mom splitting with pops at 11 it forces you to become the man of the house and especially when you're the eldest and i feel like like you said your childhood the youth the innocence is stripped away from you uh, quickly yeah and i don't think i don't think it's fair that, that that's what i want to say to this i don't think it's fair but you had to do oh, what yeah. you had to do and, and i'm sure that's probably wh where you were struggling is i want to be a kid i don't want to care i don't want to have to worry but also i'm put into this position where i can't not care but I also don't care about the system and the rules that are in place around me too. Yeah. I feel like that's what I, I felt when you explained your story. No, yeah, for sure. So, you know, I, I lost any regard for rules because I felt like our family followed the rules, you know, and, and we ended up where we were, you know, we, we had the house. Wow, my dad deep. was in the military. Um, you know, my mom was working at a bank. My brother and I were getting good grades. Like why, why, why did it happen to us? Why us? That was my big question. I was angry, bro. I was an angry yes, kid because I lost my childhood and I had to grow up. You know, like, it's like that, you know, it's the opposite of the Peter Pan syndrome, man, like where people don't ever want to right. grow up, you right. know, but I was the opposite. And, you know, I, it, you know, what's crazy is uh, I'll fast forward like a, um, closer to now. Sure. It was very recent that I was able to, to deal with that situation with my parents. Oh, wow. Yeah, very recent. And, and that anger that I had as a kid that I didn't really know I really internalized was lifted off me. And my relationship wow. with my parents, um, I eventually forgave them and um, our relationship couldn't be better. That's awesome. Yeah. And I want to tie that into a different topic later. You're, you're, you're honestly, you're hitting everything that I want to talk about. So <laughs> you're, you're setting this up to be a great conversation. Oh, man. But let's backtrack because you said Erwin and Josh, and that's actually a part of the list that I have. <laughs> Music. Oh, yeah. Because you, you three helped me like want to try and do something. Even though I, even though I knew I was like, I'm not going to be a rapper. I can try to rap. And, and <laughs> I don't want to make this, this story about me, but I was so intrigued because Erwin was living at the pastoral house. Yeah. And so you guys would just slide over into that room and there was a drum set and Nate was still there at that time. Can you tell me about that 
uh, <laughs> that period of your life because that, that that's a beautiful moment for me was watching you guys do your thing the few shout out the few hey yeah. um, shout out 2002 <laughs> yes sir but i, I want to know more about that you know the ups the downs the, the funny stuff whatever whatever you want to share in terms of when you have to think back and retell those moments okay so um so when i finally made my way back to any to you know i, I considered home uh where i grew up and all my friends were um Erwin stood out, you know, plain and simple. He stood out because He's he wasn't like any of us. Right? He's a character. <laughs> yeah, he was. So, so I saw this dude. We were in the chapel doing something, and he was just scribbling in his hand. You know, I was like, what the heck is this dude doing? He's just like writing notes. <laughs> like, bro, there's paper, bro. You know, you can, you can write on paper. You don't write on your hand. And I asked him one day, I was like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm just, just writing. I was like, you make music or something and he was like like ah uh, eh, here and there whatnot and i didn't yeah. he, when you look at erwin you wouldn't cons- think of him as like some kind of music recording mm-hmm. artist or anything like that no so i was like oh he must be writing hymns right because <laughs> you find out he's a he's <laughs> an organist or something he was like damn this dude is all about the hymns so right you know um <laughs> uh when i found out he was like a recording artist and he was doing his thing with music um i was like yo that's dope. Like I've been really looking for, for an outlet to, to uh, talk about myself, you know, my story and all these things that I learned and all these lessons, you know, and um, I was like, well, yeah, why don't you come by and uh, uh, we'll, we'll do something. And I was like, all right, yeah, cool. And it was trash, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it was trash. And, and we were like, we, we, we look back sometimes uh, and we listen to some of these old things that won't, never ever be released because erwin won't share it <laughs> wow. um but uh we gotta yeah, unlock that to vault it. what's that yeah <laughs> i said we gotta unlock that vault you i know, know. crack that open uh, maybe one day i'll convince him um but yeah so so i came back and and um i met erwin and we talked about music and then um that's when josh came up on the scene because josh was doing the same thing too with erwin he was already in Antioch when i moved back so I was like, oh, okay. I, I kind of remember Josh because his family's from Vallejo also. So when they moved to Antioch, I was like, oh, that's dope. Yeah, we called them the Gucci brothers, right? Yeah. Gutierrez. Gucci, so we yep. called them the Gucci's. So um, Josh was our vocalist and uh, he, he, was, um, he was also a rapper too. And we would, have, we would spend days at church all day long. And then we'll be like, what's up, man? Where are we going to go to the, to the studio? AKA Erwin's uh, room. <laughs> So he had his drum set. He had his recording stuff up in there. Uh, you know, all his Colorado paraphernalia from sports yeah. and stuff like that. Minnesota Vikings. He's a huge Vikings fan. And, um, you know, we started making music. And we were like, one day we we're just like, yo, Erwin's going to make an album. So, you know, let's go do something with it. And we were like, all right, yeah, let's do it. You know, and I remember those Sunday afternoons, we would, we would meet up. You know, and I would work and I'd be like, yo, I, I, I got an idea for a song. And we were just like going back and forth through text and th- things like that, trying to figure out what we could do. And um, Sundays were always for the Costco days. We'd get the hot dogs and, and go back to Erwin's place and go back into the lab and make music. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, we never thought that we would ever make something like this. So, you know, our first album was Through the Fourth Window. Um, it had a few, um, a few hitters on there, I, I say, but for some amateur guys. You know, it was fun creating, you know, I think that was, yeah. that was the main, the main uh, uh, thing that I got out of it. The main lesson was, uh, you know, we were just creating, we were bonding as brothers and um, it was dope, man. We had fun. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. Would you say from folks like Chris and Ed checking on you and, you know, making sure you're good to you making that transition back to Antioch and then. I'll, I'll use the word quickly, but I'm, I, of course it didn't happen the next day, but quickly jumping into the music and then creating the friendships with people like Erwin and Josh. Do you think that helped you kind of lock in and focus and tr- try to steer the right path? What, what are your thoughts on that? 100%, you know, um, and it was pretty quick, you know, it, it, it like, it, it was like, it like it turned on the, a, a switch, you know, it hit a switch when Chris and Ed came out to, uh, to Vallejo to check up on me. You know, it kind of reminded me of where I was and where what happened to me and, and where I need to get back to. Um, Chris and Ed are like childhood friends. Like we, we were like, yeah, around 10, 
10, 11 years old, you know, but at 11 years old and everybody's families are still like connected, you know, you, you didn't have anybody to talk to about those kind of things, you know, but they, they still held me down and they reached out to me and even my cousin, Joanna, you know, they should, I think they came out to the Vallejo to visit me. And then um, it was almost like they were, they were, they were like instrumental in like getting me out of there, you know, yeah. because I, you know, I attribute it to God, like knowing what's in my heart, you know what I mean? And he sent two of my best friends to come get me. And then I met two new best friends. Yeah. Like we connected through music, you know, and, yeah. and you can't make this up. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it's, it's fate, I guess, you know, you can, you can call it whatever you want, but it, it, it happened for a reason. And it's, it's the reason why I'm here now. I love it. So you're at Antioch making music and then you eventually get over to Vegas. So what happened from that point to the step of leaving California? Oh man, it it was a tough, tough decision because at the time I was living with my, with my auntie, uh, Joanna's mom, my auntie Nelly. Um, She was a big foundation in me uh, trying to uh, get my life back on track. so I graduated high school back in, in, in California or in the Bay Area or Concord. Keep talking like I'm, <laughs> like I'm, I'm setting in, in Vegas. But yeah, so I went back to high school, finished my, uh, got my diploma, um, got even department awards in math and art, got a scholarship wow. and everything, you know, straight wow. A's. And, and people are like, what the hell happened to you? What are you even doing here? You know, I was just like, That's awesome. life, bro, life. <laughs> so my auntie Nelly was was a big instrument in helping me re reestablish myself. Um, she let me stay with her while my mom was in uh, in Hayward, and um, uh, just being able to to um, uh, create that foundation again to to start life again was was yeah. um, was super important and. Um, you know, without her, I really wouldn't be able to find where I was. But um, it's crazy how one person can really hold that place. Yeah, in your mind and your heart. She was my angel, man. It can be. She and she wow. she passed away from 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 a uh, lung cancer. Um, shoot, I don't know. Like maybe it's been like eight years. Maybe rest in peace. I know. Yeah, she's she was my angel, man. She she really helped me out, and um, she was she offered to help pay for my schooling and things like that. I said, no, auntie, you know, I couldn't do that. Um, I'll make my way. But she did help me. And uh, she gave me a lot of life lessons. And um, I didn't want to leave California, bro. I didn't want to leave because I felt like my life was just getting together. You know, my life was just starting to um, uh, get back on track and leaving for a whole new city that I've never, ever, ever been to, that I've only seen on TV, especially like Las Vegas, you know, Sin City. When I just got myself out of this whole situation, yeah. I'm going to jump back yeah. into it again. And I was like, <laughs> what the, you know, but um, my mom had convinced me because, and I was still, what, 18, 19 years old when I moved out here. So I, I did want my relationship with my mom to, to really, you know, grow stronger. And um, I finally um, gave in. I said, okay, yeah, all right, I'll move to Vegas. Montinelli was was not for it. She wanted all of wow. our family to stay in the Bay Area to stick together, okay. you know. And um, yeah, it was just a decision, and I had to learn stick um, because my, my uncle was giving me his truck, and it was stick. And Ed taught me like the night before. <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I was like, <laughs> I don't even know how to drive this thing, bro. Like, I got to take all my stuff in this truck that I don't even know how to drive, and, wow. and everything. And yeah, yeah. So I'm. I took all our stuff and we moved out here and it was crazy hot. Cause it was like end of July, it was right after Thanksgiving. And I remember that was when our album release was, it was at wow. Alma's house. I don't know if you were there. And we just gave out, we gave out all our CDs to our friends. Like, here you go. Listen to this. Let us know how bad it is. <laughs> it was, it was, it was <laughs> funny. Yeah. It was like a going away party at Alma's and right there that night. We drove to Las Vegas. So it wasn't an easy decision. It was, um, it was like, uh, it was a scary decision, but it was one that I had to make because I wanted our family to stick together. And, uh, you know, that's, that's always the core of me. Like the best, the, what I can do for my family is always at the core of me. And, uh, you know, 
it was easy, but it wasn't easy, you know, right. at the same time. So, right. But because it was, it was, it was for the right reasons. It's just, yeah, I was scared, you know, that, I was scared, um, mm, you know, yeah. truthfully. Um, I didn't know what, what to, I, I didn't feel strong enough yet. You know, I didn't feel like I was ready to, to uproot myself from the friends that have like helped me stand back up again. Yep. But, you know, it's not my plan, you know, it's always a, you know, God, God will, will get you through it, you know. Yes, sir. So you make it to Vegas in one piece. Yeah. With the, with the truck. Yeah. yeah, Did you, yeah. <laughs> no, no breakdowns. How, 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 that's good. How was the transition into Vegas? What do you remember those first two or three years um, being I, like for you? I, I remember looking up people and this was when um, I think Friendster was hot or AOL was still hot <laughs> late nineties, early two thousands. <laughs> yeah. So like, um, I was looking at people from church who, who lived in Las Vegas. I was like, who lives in Las Vegas? Like I never heard of anybody. Right. That moved so I had some, uh, made some connections with some people. Um, my first, uh, my first friend, her name was Liza. She had a sister named Shirley. Um, they were originally from San Jose and then they moved to, to Vegas. The Panlakis. Yeah. The Panlakis. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was in, I was in Henderson locale for like two years oh. when it was just when it was just Henderson locale. Oh, so I know Alicia, the Panlakis, Melissa. Oh wow, R- R- Russ was out there at that time. I'm not sure if he's still around. Yeah. There was a good yeah, there, there was a good chunk here, of folks. Yeah, yeah, man. So those are the f- first couple people that I I met out here, and we hung out, and um, I met VJ, Russell, Lawrence. Uh, B Rock, um, yeah, those are our those were our first friends in Las Vegas, and I guess when we first moved here, uh, Vegas just split from Henderson, so um, the people in Henderson I haven't even met yet, um, and then we hung out and things like that. So it it was definitely different because Vegas is a twenty four hour city, and so yep. like we were and it was hot at night, which was kind of weird for me. And it felt like everything was so far away, you know, because yeah. in, in the Bay, you could get from Pittsburgh to Concord to Walnut Creek in like 15 minutes. Like you pass three yep. cities here in Las yep. Vegas, you drive 15 minutes, you're still in Las Vegas. So yep. it was yep. like, it was weird for me coming from a small city, uh, going to this whole big city that I didn't know anything about. Um, everything just felt far, you know, but what's weird is that we, we used to hoop at night. You know, and we slept late all the time because everything was always open. Walmart was a thing to do. You know, yeah. it was it was just weird. Just like, like you go into a new classroom. You know, you know, we start school again. You meet all these new people that you never met, and uh, you know, you just make your connections and things like that. And just, uh, I guess they made it a easy transition for me to go from, you know, missing all my best friends and things like that. But it didn't stop me from driving to the bay. You know. I, I remember driving back to the Bay for a formal, for a Kadiwa formal. Wow. Yeah, just, just to That's attend the formal because, you know. Eight-hour drive? Eight-hour drive, man. Eight-hour drive. And Chris Taylor, he used to always come out with me to drive up with me. Because I think he used to work, he, he was working with JetBlue. Um, but he would fly out and then he'll ride up there with me and then we'll drive back. And, you know, he, 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 he was one of the ones that always visited me. He would always wow. come out here. Um, I think it was harder for Ed because of um, work and things like that. But Chris always had, always had time for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> nice. Yeah. He was like your, uh, your co-pilot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We used to go to all the different activities across the, uh, across the U.S., man. We would go to like the East Coast. We would go up to Seattle. You know, we would, we really put ourselves into a hole, like financially, just trying to like, Wow. branch out and go to like different activities before social media yeah. even existed you know yeah we that was the thing to do if you you know if if um when we were in fremont if anyok had an activity folks from fremont would be like yo there's this one girl you know i want to meet her they got an activity we should go <laughs> we're like, all right let's go we'll go drive to anyok for this guy and you know i was like man, you better talk wow. to her bro you better if we drive up here you better <laughs> talk man don't make us do drive something up about it. Nothing. Don't make us drive up right. there for nothing. That's hilarious. I know. That's how it used to be, man. That's how it used to be. <laughs> now it's social media. You know, it's a little bit easier. Yeah, you just send a message. Yeah, but like yeah. a picture. It is what it is. Times change. 
Yes, sir. Okay, so you're in Vegas. Sounds like you acclimated quickly, made friends. That's also no surprise with your personality. So in terms of like the additional growing up you did, I feel like that's where things really planted themselves for you in terms of taking on a career and, and finding your focus. So how, how was that journey like for you? So I'm uh, just trying to figure out um, my professional route. Um, originally, I thought I wanted to be a nurse, but man, I, I commend all the nurses out there for what they do because I have, I thought I had patience, but I do not have patience for, for what a nurse has to do. And, and I give it up to them because it's not an easy job. It's stressful and people treat you way less than you should be treated. You know, to me, the nurses are like the royalty in, in the hospital. So I give it up to them for sure. Um, I quickly um, figured out through a friend of mine that uh, radiology was the way to go. You know, um, with my background as a graphic artist, um, it was my way of, I guess, looking at it as art for the healthcare field because we take pictures That's of all. Dope. So, you know, my eye for art really helped me because then I can look at a person and, you know, figure out, okay, this is where your bones lie based on my knowledge with anatomy and things like that. Right. You know, right. it was, I was, it was, it was an easy transition to go into that, you know, just, just learning the physics of it was the challenge. But um, once I got into the field, it, it's, it's, it's been great. You know, right now I'm, I'm a lead tech uh, for our hospital. Um, and I, and I work at another county hospital, um, help with mayor. Oh, wow. Um, and then, um, yeah, that's, uh, I, I didn't think that I would ever go into the healthcare field because, um, I've always loved the art. It's, you know, but, but looking back at it when I was younger, um, I never wanted to turn my art into, into work because it's, it's a passion. It's, it's something that I always had trouble with because what I create, I see it at, at a different value than what somebody else would see it. You know, for, for, sure. for me to put a price on what I was able to create, nobody could ever pay for that. You know, so it was always a hard time for me trying to figure out how to charge somebody for something I poured my heart into, you know. And, um, I, and, I, and, and this is for all the other artists out there. Um, yep. Never water down what you do and what you would charge a person because you're the only one that can create that, you know? And, and I tell other artists do it how you do it because no one will be able to ever copy your style. If you stick to that, people will appreciate your art more uh, versus trying to, you know, recreate something else. And, and there's no problem with that, but if you want to really stick behind your own art, do it how you like it and charge what you want to charge because somebody will respect it and, and, you know, keep grinding at it. So, um, you know, that's good advice. Yeah. Um, and that's something I learned because, you know, before I, I would always cheapen myself. I'd be like, Oh, well, you know, it was easy for me. Uh, it only took me like 10 minutes, but they see it as like, wow. You know, and I see it as ah, it's something I do every day. So I didn't know how to right. charge. So I, it was always like either $5 or, $30 max. Like that's it. And I was just like, yeah, that's it. I don't, it don't take me very long. But I, I, I needed to realize like I'm being commissioned to do something that you can't do. So, you know, I have to be able to find that medium, you know, like, yep. Yep. I charge my time. I charge the effort that I put in, you know, it's, it, it was hard to monetize something like that, especially when it comes to creating. Cause it's not, it's not something that's um, concrete. Yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad you went there because one of the conversations I had recently on the podcast was the idea of taking a passion and turning it into income. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some people want to make that transition, but are afraid of having it turn into a job or feel like work. Mm -hmm. And the conversation was centered around being okay with just keeping it as something you do for fun versus needing to turn it into a, a paying job. What, what are your thoughts on, on folks that struggle with that, who, who are doing something creatively, have been doing it, or have just gotten into it? And then the thoughts of, should I charge? Should I try to gain customers? Should I keep doing it for fun? What are your thoughts on that? I think the biggest thing is to, um, to look at and find what other people are charging for something similar to what you're doing. So if you're doing, uh, for example, um, uh, logo designs, 
um, yeah. for branding and things like that. So you got to think about it. they're going to put this on every single thing that they start, that they do. So whether it's T-shirts, business cards, um, whether it's something like, uh, you know, branding is huge. People pay millions of dollars for branding, you know, and, and if you're somebody that's very creative uh, in that realm, you can make uh, a, um, a ludicrous amount of money, you know, and, and if you get the right clients and things like that, um, yeah, you can make a, a great career out of that. But uh, yeah, l look at some, what other people are charging. Um, find things that, that create that basis on why you charge that amount. You know, you went to school for three years, then you're more qualified than somebody that's, that did it in their, in their house. You know, even though they're good, sense. just as good as you, you, you put in the time and the education and things like that. So you, you have, have the to be compensated. technical training. Yeah, you got to be compensated for something like that. But at the same time, you know, if, if it's some, and it's it, use your discretion. If it's a small time person that's really trying to like make it for themselves, you know, you were there at that point, you know, give them a break if you, if you, if you have the ability to, you know, um, and that's something that I've, I've tried to like incorporate into everything that I do is I help the, the small businesses and things like that come to our league on their own and let them advertise themselves. You know, like I create the platform for you to come. I don't take any kind of money from your sales or anything like that. This is just for you. This is for your chance to market yourself and how you would do out there in the real world. Because I have like 100 plus players coming to our gym to, to play basketball. And it's, this is your time. This is your, your opportunity to shine. So if you don't come prepared, well, then you lost out on a great opportunity. And then if you do come prepared, you can capitalize and network that way. Um, oh, sorry. But to get back to the original question, um, some of those things that you got to look into is that what other people are charging. Um, is it fair? Um, how much time did you put into it? If you put in 30 minutes, then give a base price. You know, if you have a minimum amount of hours that you need to work on a, on a project, you know, you should have that base rate. So if it's like, no matter if it takes 30 minutes to an hour, you know, it's going to be 50 bucks or a hundred dollars, depending on how big the job is. And then anything right. that exceeds out of that, then, you know, you make it incremental, you know, that way they can, they, they you're transparent to them on what they're, what they're, um, what they're being charged and you're being transparent with them, what you're delivering to them. Yep. And at yep. the same time, uh, you know, you, you can create that trust between that client because then he'll refer you out and do great. And that's where, that's where what you want to do is, is network and branch out through, through your clients. Great advice which helps us segue into the next piece. So you talked about your job, radiology. The more I watch you on social media, the more I also associate you with a person that has these side hustles, is involved in your community. You touched up on that. So can you explain what are these other passion projects, side hustles that you're doing outside of your actual nine to five? Bro, I have so many side hustles that people are yeah. like, bro, do you ever rest? Do you ever sleep? And, uh, you know, I do. I, I definitely take my time to, to rest up because that's super important. But uh, yep. I've been cutting hair since junior high, man. I've been cutting my uh, cutting my hair um, and then uh, I cut my brother's hair. And then my brother told his friends and my friends found out that I cut hair. So they would come and they would cut their hair. And then from there, any city that I moved into, I eventually started cutting everybody's hair. And it was like, hey, Ami cuts hair. I was like, all right, come on over, you know. And it and it went from, it went from cutting in in my kitchen, to in my garage, to getting my whole setup, getting chairs gifted to me, and and like that's awesome. And different uh, clippers as birthday presents and things like that from clients. So that's that's my one side hustle that I eventually will turn into a professional career. Um, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to start a barbershop? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That's dope, dude. I, I've put That's in dope. like 15, 15, 18 years into, into learning and, and, uh, self teaching myself. I, I think it's time for me to actually go into the school and get my license and, and, um, look into opening a shop that I'm actually wow. in talks with one of my friends here in Vegas. He's, he just took his master barber test. So, um, we're looking at, uh, properties to, to eventually open up a shop. Um, it's dope, location is prime. So, you know, it's taking some time, but, you know, um, the, all the plans are in the works, you know, I've got, That's I've dope. got a couple things, um, business plans for that. Um, 
aside. Is this fresh news? What's that? Is, is, is this is this breaking news that you're sharing on the podcast? Kinda, yeah. Have you shared that? Yeah, yeah kind of. So, um, yeah, uh, aside from the cutting hair, um, uh, we, my friend and I, Brownie, I think you know Brownie. Brownie. Is that his nickname? Brownie, yeah, it's his nickname. He's from San Jose is- originally. Uh, it doesn't sound familiar. No? Maybe if I saw his face. Maybe, yeah. I, I think you do know him. I think Joy knows him too. Okay. Um, okay. But he was in he was in Gilroy or or um, what's that? There was a what's the local uh, that started with a W there by San Jose. <laughs> I, I uh, whatever oh, no. I, I can Watsonville. Watsonville. Yeah, wow, I think he was been... out in Watsonville for a little bit okay. when they first popped it. That was like the first extension out of NorCal. But yeah, anyway, uh, uh, yeah, Brownie and I, we, we, we run a, a men's basketball league. Um, it was one of the first draft leagues here in uh, Las Vegas where captains would select their teammates from an open gym while watching them and then creating their lineup that way. So it was completely random. Um, our draft league went on for one season, and then we eventually branched out into being open to other people bringing their teams in. So. Yeah. What what year was this? This was in 2017, and we've been okay. doing it ever since. Um, what sparked the the idea, and then what what made you guys go from idea to execute? Uh, so earlier on, before we even created the draft league, uh, there was just a bunch of guys that we would always play basketball. Um, all of us would would show up. We'll rent courts. We'll go to a park. We'll play ball, and then. Um, from there, we talked about like, oh, let's let's kick it up a notch, you know, let's get let's make it a little bit more competitive. So then we started this league with just four teams, just wow. four teams, and majority of them were church members. Um, and then here and there, we would get um, you know our friends uh, to come out and play and things like that. And then uh, he and I were like, you know, let, let's kick it up a notch, let's let's get jerseys and everything, you know. And, and we had wow. no idea how to run this stuff. Um, so you guys didn't come into it thinking grand vision draft league. You were just like, uh, let's, let's start here. Not at all. Not at all. That's crazy. You know, um, a lot of our experience comes from planning church activities. You know, when you're an officer, you know, you got to do these things. You got to do the rundown. You got to canvas. You got to learn how to organize from the start starting point to the end point, you know, and being able to get your team on board and things like that. So our experience came actually from, from being officers, you know, and, wow. and I, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to go on a tangent real quick. So sure. I want to encourage all of the, the members who are officers to, to realize that we're being given free training on, on events that actually happen outside of church in the real world. Right. There's people that are being paid to put on events that we do. Whereas, you know, you are, you have that, you learn those skills and you can apply that outside of church and you can, really make a good business out of event planning um yep. learning how Project to put, management yeah putting together events and activities and things like that for the city for the community um and um you know our program like the inc giving and things like that that reaches out to the community you can do that on your on your own and and really make an impact you know you can get your friends involved you can get this and this and that's a great segue to 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 bringing them to to listen to the words of god and what better way to build a team than with folks that you share faith with? Oh, exactly. Exactly. You have one vision and things like that. And, and there's nothing more powerful than a group of individuals that have the same vision. You know, you, you have the same, you have the same uh, ambitions. You have the same vision. You have the same mission and goals. You can do anything if, if you have a strong team like that. And, and the experience I had as a district officer of putting on activities and is on a grand scale too. So like all of SoCal, you know, we plan activities for that. So like, why couldn't we organize a basketball league? You know, it really had, we had to like pick our, pick those tools out of our brains because it's in a different setting now. You know, we had to transition from, you know, talking to the, uh, to the deacons and things like that for approvals and things like that. Now it's like real life. You know, we have to be the ones to make the approvals now. So, you know, developing this league was something that we didn't, ever visualize as becoming as grand as it is so now 
I think the, the biggest our league has ever gotten was like 16 teams at one time. Wow. And it was just wow. like, oh, my God. It was just <clears throat> two of us. We're just like scrambling, like, oh, my God. All right, so-and-so needs to come on the court. You know, they're, it's, it's time for them to play, you know. And just doing that with two people was tough, man. And there was times where I was just like, bro, this is my last season. I'm done, man. I, I can't handle this stress. But as soon as a new season comes around, like, all right, let's do it again, man. Let's do it again. Let's Back do it a lot in. better. I'm recharged. You know? I'm yeah, recharged. exactly. Exactly. What are some of the 16 teams? That's huge. Congrats, by the way, too, for, for starting something oh, like that and, you, and bring, bringing it to how far you, you have. What are some of the successes, aside from how big it's gotten, what are some of the successes and the struggles you've, you've seen in, in, in start to, starting it up to, to now? I think um, the biggest success, I would say, is... Um, uh, creating an atmosphere of brotherhood and uh, competition. And I think creating that balance for basketball players is tough, you know, because you talk trash on the court, you know, and um, helping them realize that this is a game and what we're doing is a little bit bigger than just what's on the court. And I took it out of a page out of the NBA because, you know, there, there are athletes that are in the NBA that, um, that do great things outside of their sport. Like, for example, LeBron James. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of him before because you know, he was always going up against Kobe. And, um, you know, but as I look at LeBron as, as a player, um, I may have this resentment towards him because he's, he's, a, he's easy to hate. You know, he's a good basketball player. He's, he's got a lot of yep. things going for him. But LeBron yep. James, the person – is able to do so much more things in his community. Like he created the I Promise School. Uh, he has the yep. LeBron James Foundation that helps out other yep. underprivileged kids. And that's something that even though our platform is real small, I believe that our impact on a community, no matter how small, can make a big difference in the future. Big time. So that's what our, that's what our vision is, is to be able to create um, the means to provide those kind of things. And yep. we just recently collaborated and, and met, uh, uh, I think it was like last week, last Saturday, actually, with an organization called Greater Youth Sports Association that's, oh. that's, um, that's been able to uh, provide uh, underprivileged kids with sports for a, a crazy low amount of money. It's $42 wow. a year for, for a child to play sports the entire year, football, wow. soccer, and basketball. And I was like, that's wow, that's just, that's what we are aiming to provide. So I reached out to him. He reached out to me. We met up with him and his girl, uh, Annalise. Uh, Brownie and I met with him via Zoom. And, um, you know, we, we, we talked about our goals and, you know, we want to give the manpower that they need because they, they provide sports for a thousand plus kids. Wow. And what, what's crazy is he is a PE teacher for my nephews. So I was like, are you serious right now? You know, my nephews, he was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, out of Bailey elementary school. And he named their school. And I was just like, yo, wow. What are the odds of this man? Small world. So it was just man, like, everything is just like connecting all the pieces are being put together and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, it was a no brainer. I want to, I want to, I want to pause there for a moment because you just reminded me of something I heard last night when it comes to what that gentleman and his girl are doing. It, made so much sense when you came back around and said he also teaches PE. It's kind of like if you want to be an artist, you should also be involved in artist-like things. Aside from just drawing at home, you need to be out there doing things. Oh, yeah. And, and I like that. That's a part of his story, and I like that your guys' paths have crossed. You also talked about what they're doing for 1,000-plus kids and the impact that they can have on the community, even though it might be smaller compared to things that people like LeBron James are doing, you made me think it just takes one person. It just takes one moment. It just takes one meeting. It just takes one conversation to really change the course of a person's life. Oh yeah. And, and, and help them achieve or realize, you know, their greatest potential. Oh yeah. And it brings me back to the beginning of our conversation where you said your aunt Nelly is, um, she was your angel, you know, and, and hopefully that this platform serves to be something similar to other kids out there or, you know, other people. Oh yeah. Oh man. You just sparked you just sparked an idea in my head, man. Uh, yeah, I want, I want to dedicate a foundation to her. Aunt Nelly, Auntie Nelly Foundation. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that, that be would awesome. be dope. Yeah, that would be dope. 
Um, All right. So, so what else besides this league? I mean, it, that's already huge. I don't want to make it seem like what else are you doing? But I, I feel <laughs> like you're also involved because you're posting other people's social media, food trucks. I'm seeing a lot. Oh, yeah, man. T t tell me more about the other things that you do. So um, I'm, I'm involved with a lot of small businesses here in Las Vegas because of our league. So, you know, when I invite them out to to our leagues and things like that, it, it helps spread awareness of our league as well. Um, but I really want to highlight the small businesses because, you know, these are the guys that are working to provide for their families. These are the guys that are hustling out there super hard and trying to make a name for themselves. And I feel like if their products are great, so I'll, I'll talk to them, you know, I don't want to promote anything that would be hurtful or, or, or harmful to, to our community and things like that. So I really want to hear and know what, who's behind the name, who's behind this small business. And, you know, a lot of them are just, you know, small mom and pops that um, really want to provide for their kids and things like that. And, um, you know, and they've, they've struggled years just trying to create that name. And I was like, why haven't I heard of you? Like, if I haven't heard of you, then it's possible that other people haven't heard of you. So let's let everybody know who you are. You know, so I don't have a huge following on social media. Um, but whenever I can, I try to like repost a lot of their things, um, just so people know about them. And then, I'll, you know, when they come to our league, I, we set up a whole table for them. I was like, if you need a banner, let us know. We can get a banner for you and things like that. Uh, come out. Mm -hmm. So eventually we, we have, um, our B league is actually under an umbrella called, uh, feel good networking and promotions. So that, nice. that's our, that's our main umbrella for what we're trying to do. So I, it's an, is that an, L, is that an LLC? What's that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's our nice, LLC. Man. Um, so everything's going to be under this umbrella. So we have, um, feel good networking and promotions as, as the main umbrella. Then you have the B league. Then we'll have, um, our, uh, we, we actually have, um, well, I have a plan to provide like after school services and things like that for kids who need tutoring and things like that. Um, our motto is do good, feel good. Um, to help out these kids and then uh, we created our brand for B League of uh, like apparel and things like that uh, where we use that money to, to help fund all the things that we want to do in the community and stuff like that um, eventually we want to get to 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 the uh, culinary sector and, 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 and create some kind of like food truck and things like that a collaboration wow. with my brother who actually went to school to become a chef and I was like, man, you got to use that training, man. You got to use that, that stuff that you went to school for. So we got yeah. a few things that are in the works. Um, so it's like um, do good, feel good. And then we got eat good, you know, it just, just everything I love it. around that good feeling. And um, the barbershop, eventually um, we got to play with names, but it was, it, it was originally going to be called feel good barbershop. Cause you know, when you get a fresh that haircut, that's, you know, that's how you, how oh, you feel, you know, you feel good about yourself. Feeling. You know, you go out, you're yeah. confident, you're yeah. like, Ooh, uh, you know, I, I can go uh, conquer the world right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's our, our big, big vision. And we want to create like a training facility to provide these teams to come out and play, train, um, get some one-on-ones um, -on with coaches and things like that. So I'm really trying to build the network right now and create the groundwork by working with these small businesses that we want to eventually invite to our gym where they could have a stand-up spot and a brick and mortar. You know, and we want we wouldn't even want to uh, charge them what they would really be charged outside in uh, society. And it'll be their starting point. You know, yep. they'll have their brick and mortar right here, and like, and you know, they'll, yep. at the same time, they'll serve our athletes and customers and and people who come in, and and then when they are ready, then they can up and leave and be like, hey man, I'm glad. You know, when I see your success, I feel success. You know, because I helped you out and things like that to become successful and. You know, it's like, dude, go, go do your thing, man. Do your thing. Yeah. Go out yeah. and, and I'll take from what I learned from you. You can take what you learned from me and we can just make our community a lot better. So that's, I mean, awesome. that's, that's the big vision. That's the big goal. And this is the first time I ever talked about it with somebody else. Cause I've always written it down and be like, okay, what's next on the steps and things like that. So, but yeah, there's it, it, a lot Speaking of, of platforms. Speaking of platforms, that's the reason why you're on here, bro. <laughs> I, I want to make sure I get everyone's story out there give you a give you a nice little clip slash file that you can share with others and if people are curious about your story man that's amazing that's one man. way to share it another way, and what i'm hoping it's the reason why i ask those type of questions is i'm hoping that someone listening 
even if it's now or, or years down the line, I, I hope that it this conversation sparks something or inspires something. Which leads me to my next question. You, I, I, want, I like to give away the game for free, especially with someone that has the experience and has gone through what you've gone through. So someone who wants to impact their community, whether it's through sports or just getting involved or it's nonprofits, and they, they just have the idea or the in, intention to do it. What are some some tips, some do's and don'ts that you'd say, hey, you know, this is what you, you do need to be doing. This is what you don't need to be doing. What would you say to someone who wants to do something similar to to, to what you've established with this league and and the different uh, businesses that you're involved with? Um, so I'll start with the things you, you shouldn't do. Um, n- never doubt yourself. That's number one. Never doubt yourself on on why you want to do something good, you know, whether it's for yourself or for your family and things like that. And if if your intentions are true on creating a, a, a greater life for other people, stick to that, stick to that. Never doubt yourself because there's a reason why you felt that, you know, you saw a void maybe somewhere and uh, you felt, you feel like you can provide that, you know? So if you ever, ever feel that, that, that moment where you're like, you want to quit, you doubt that what you're doing is going to make it an impact. Think about the void that you might be leaving that you could fill and you can provide. So, and that's one of the biggest things on consumerism. Like, you know, people will uh, supply and demand, right? So the more people are looking for something, uh, the more the, the provider needs to, to, to meet that demand. So if what you're doing is high in demand because you feel that there's a void there, um, you may be robbing the people of, of what you can bring. So stick to the course. Um, you're going to go through hard times. And, and if you don't go through hard times, then you're not, you're not dreaming big enough. You got to be able to, to learn through, the, to, through these, um, these obstacles that you'll face because, you know, it ain't easy. You know, there's going to be times where you're like downing. You're, you're going to be like, dang, why, why am I doing this to myself? I don't need to do this. I can stick to what, what I'm doing, my nine to five and get my money and be happy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you're going to feel that thing eating inside of you that like, I got to do it, man. I I just got to, you know, I got to follow my dream and you don't want to regret not doing it. You know, um, uh, one other thing, uh, time, time is super important and you want to use your time wisely. Um, and that's why people always think like, man, Algernon, why do you, why do you have so many jobs and things like that? It's like, you're always so busy. I was like, well, I just use up my time. You know, I use my time to, to um to work towards my goals every time and you have to uh, so i'm gonna start going into uh some of the tips here um use your time wisely uh a lot time for downtime um because you know you keep going and going and going and going and going you're gonna burn yourself out yes sir and that's something that you have to learn to kind of control because yeah you know everything it's good to be gung-ho and things like that and all focus and things like that on, on making those small steps to make it to a big step. But you have to reset yourself and find your Zen and find your peace and things like that, whatever that may be. Um, I always find that like um, with praying, um, if, if I'm at home, I try to like wind myself down with like instrumental relaxing music and yes, things sir. like that. Yes, sir. Um, let, let some of the lavender incense kind of go off and let some mm. of that dim lighting you know, it help, helps kind of reset, calm your mind again. Yes, it does. And then, because you'll need your energy. You're going to need your energy to, to strive for your goals and things like that. Uh, family time is super important as well. Make sure you make time for that. Um, you know, those are the ones that you, that you do it for. So make sure that you spend that time and, and re, be rejuvenated by, by their love for you and things like that. And, um, you know, ha- have a pure heart and what you want to do and, and uh, work hard. You know, it's hard work to, to really free yourself from, from uh, you know, working a regular job and following your dreams and things like that. Uh, you'll feel like sometimes you'll be the only one working. But, you know, if you really want to create something that's, that's an impact, you're going to be working by yourself for a while. That's how it's going to be. You know, until, you, until you find like-minded people that have that same vision as you. Because, um, you know, you don't, have, you'll, you don't always have those fellow officers that have that same vision, you got to go out there and find them, you know, and that's part of, that's part of the whole game right there is, um, 
venturing out into the world, staying true to what you want to do and what you're trying to do and um, making those actions. And those, those people will find you or you will find them while doing that. So stick to, stick to it and then um, uh, find, uh, find people that are in the same boat as you and trying to find and chase their dreams as well. Because if there's any time that you need something done, you got to give it to a busy person because that busy person will always do it. You know, and, and no, matter, no matter how busy they are, they, they will eventually do it. That's if you awesome. give it to somebody who doesn't, who's not used to working, like, hey, they ain't ever going to get done. It's not going to get done good that's good man that's really good advice super it's been a super inspiring chat with you this this past hour and we are at the hour so really i wanted to bring it back to the beginning because you said something actually real quick it sounds like everything you're you're working towards am i safe to say that you one day hope to break out of the nine to five and just be a self-employed slash entrepreneur type of person because it feels like all signs are pointing to that path for you I, I re- that's what I really want to do. I, I, I really want to do something a little bit more meaningful um, outside of my nine to five. And um, I feel like I found it, you know, but in the meantime, I'll still be grinding at the hospital, yes, um, helping fund my dreams. Yeah. Cause we're all, we're all self-funded right now. Mm. Um, mm. And I'm trying to like help other organizations as well with like small donations here and there, small businesses, especially during the coronavirus, you know, um, I would leave like, like a cash um, envelope and things like that. Just like, use this to to help share yeah. your meals, or I'll Venmo yeah. somebody and like, give this give this out to the next five customers, whoever you want to give it to. Wow, you know, uh, just because I know they're struggling, and if we have the means, then we'll do it. But yeah, eventually get out of the nine to five. I love it. I love it. Okay, last one for you. Earlier in the chat, you were talking about the challenges you faced when it came to becoming the man of the house and and stepping into that role. And you said something, you said one of the questions you asked was why me? And fast forward to now tasting the success and, and impacting folks and, 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 and growing businesses and, and, and really understanding where you're hoping to, to go down in, in your path. The question comes back, why me? So how would you connect those two, you know, the why me now and the why me then? Man, that's, that's a real good question. Um, looking back at it, man, it, to me, it's super obvious. It, it, it was meant for me to, to go through those things young so that I, I can become as strong as I can be uh, for today. Because if I, I feel like if I have never, ever gone through something like that, I never would have learned the lessons that I've learned. Um, appreciate what I have now uh, more than I appreciate them today. Um, I, I often think back like, man, maybe I would have been a CEO somewhere, you know, if, if my parents had, had helped me go through school and, and college and things like that. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, like, who knows where I would have been if, if, if our family and everything went down that path. But you know, there's no way of telling. All, all, all I know is what I went through and what I learned from it and where I am now. And, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm super grateful. I'm super blessed every single day um, just to, to, to be where I am. And um, I'll always remember where I came from because it was not easy. It was a struggle. It was hard. There was times where I had to have conversations I didn't want to have and go through things I didn't want to go through. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, those kind of things help prepare you for life, man. Those are, those are life's lessons that are free. You know, you, you can't learn these things in school. You can't, you can't, um, Pay learn what, teach you what, those what, things. what it feels like. You can read about it in the books of what other went through, what others went through in history and things like that. But when you experience it for yourself, you know how it feels and you know what the lowest of lows are and what the highest of highs are. So you, for me, it, it it's in my, it's, it's ingrained in my blood and in my bones now to, to never allow anybody to feel like they're at their lowest of low, wow. you know, and, and, and if I can help prevent, prevent, um, actually, you know, um, if I can help them bounce back from that, cause I don't want to say I want to prevent that from happening because I, I'm a strong believer in learning from, 
from our, our mistakes and learning from others' mistakes, you know, um, to help them and create that platform for them to bounce back out of it, you know, because I, I had best friends that did it for me and I want to be that um, for somebody else, you know, and, and pay that forward to them because, you know, if some, sometimes people just need a second chance and, and um, you know, if you can feel it in their heart that, that, that they deserve that second chance, then why not, why not give it to them? Man, you dropped a lot of gems in this episode, bro. And your, your story was super inspiring, dude. There was a lot of stuff in there that I was like, wow, I didn't know that about you. So I really appreciate you, you coming on and sharing all that, dude. It was, it was really good stuff. I appreciate the time, bro. All right, bro. Uh, I'm going to have to get ready for church now, but I appreciate your time. I'll check in with you soon when it comes to getting the episode out there, but I appreciate it, man. Thanks, brother. Talk to you soon. All right, for sure. All right, peace. And there you have it. Episode six is complete and in the books. If you want to find more information about Aljamin Santos, you can look in the show notes. And if you're not already subscribed, and if you enjoyed this episode, now's a good time for you to hit the follow button if you're listening on Spotify or the subscribe button if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Either way, I appreciate you for tuning in. We will be releasing episodes every Friday.